two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in. It's Utah's World. Tom Hackett. Steve Bottle. Steve. What's cracking, man? I'm just, you know, I'm just glad to be looking at your face again, man. It's been two, three, two weeks, three two weeks. weeks. Man. Yeah, Paul Tawala came in uh, on assignment twice. Yeah. For uh, for us. Filled in admirably for you. Shout out to Paul. Yeah, no, big big thanks to Paul. We will have him on again. Yes, we will. Paul Tawala. You know, he's as we get closer to Pro Day up there at Utah, which I think is like March 26th. 28th, one of those 20th dates. You know, he's got to he's got to buckle down and get on the grind. As so they all do. Oh yeah. Stressful time. It is. Steve. Stressful. Stressful. <laughs> so, uh yeah, no, I've been oh, I've been I've been vacant. I've been elsewhere living under a rock MIA, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite literally. Like I have been, I want people out there to know, uh I I have been and I'm and I'm not proud of this, but by any means, but this is life and uh I've I've just been I've just been busy. Um, you have been busy. Mum and Dad came from Australia. Anytime I get to see them, I'm like, put the phone away. Don't talk to me. I go, I don't get to see my parents very often, man. Mm-hmm. So let me hang with them. And then on top of that, of course, we had uh, a newborn child, Freddie. No big deal. Yeah. Oh, Freddie. That's Freddy. the name. Freddie's the name. That's a wonderful name. Thank you. Thank you. No, that's it's a wonderful uh, name. I, we appreciate that. But uh, Freddie so, Hackett. Freddie Hackett. It rolls yeah. off. That like really rolls. That goes. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, funny story before we get started. Uh, during my two week vacancy, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I I was over at my father in law's, mother and father in law's, my in laws, if you will. Yes. And uh, trying to open up the garage. Right. Trying to open up. And I hear this truck coming from down the road. I'm like, who is the cowboy in this truck? Because this truck's making a lot of noise and the truck's not very big. Yeah. Okay. And as I'm trying to plug in the buttons to get into my garage or my in-law's garage, rather, um, the truck stops like right right behind me. And my father's with me and and I'm there. And and it's Coach Whittingham. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So his 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 son-in-law, just for some some reference, he lives like uh, a, a block away from my in-laws. Oh. So he's always in the neighborhood. Okay, and uh, and it, and it's Coach Whitty. I guess he spent well a lot of money on his his late father's truck, and he kind of redid the whole thing. Okay. I mean, this thing is neat. Okay, really neat. Um, if you hear a loud noise. Coming around the corner, the chances are it's probably going to be Coach Whittingham in that in that truck. 
Uh, and Jamie's wife, beautiful wife Jamie, next next to him, just oh, they were. They out said for they a went little... on their very first date in this truck. No kidding. Yeah, this is nostalgic wow. for the Whittingham family. Holy state. smokes! And long story short, I told I him like about I'm there Freddie. Now. Uh, told him about Freddie, and uh, and and I think they're going to sign him. No kidding. Yeah, I told Wit. I said. Now or never, he's alive. <laughs> he's here. <laughs> like Hot is well and truly pumping. Are, are coming in. And he can kick, man, let me tell you. I believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I he believe it. He can kick. So, uh, so anyway, I, uh, I'm just waiting to see the paperwork, really, but he knows about Freddie. Well, here's what I'll do for you, Tom. You know, I work with 24-7 Sports, of which course. is, you know, big recruiting yeah, site. Yeah. And Can we get some stars? Or something? That's, that's, I will, I will uh-huh. send in the, the paperwork. I will send the, uh, you know, the mail. Everything I can do to get little Freddie, you know, that, that five-star rating. Steve, um, I, I appreciate that more yeah, than you. Yeah, you know, uh, it's the least he, I could do. Yeah, he won't punt, uh, I don't think. No, you don't think? I don't think he'll punt, um... I think his father, his father did that. So, mm. uh, we, so he's we strive trying to, do to be better else. than our fathers. Like maybe play quarterback is what I'm. They say that there's money at that position. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, um, people actually, you know, take quite a bit of care with quarterbacks. True. You know, coaches and I guess fans. Well, maybe not fans that much. I I played in an era with where Travis Wilson. Bless his cotton socks was the quarterback, and uh, I'm not sure if the fan base really cared for Travis a ton. From we loved Travis, we did. Lo- I lo- look, I love Travis. Yeah, he you was hear- a warrior. Listen, you hear things from <laughs> the sideline. Like I'm sure you do. I don't know if fans yeah. realize like how much they you hurt. hear a lot on the sidelines. You hear just about everything. I mean, from within like the first forty rows, you can probably hear it. Yeah. And the fact that players like don't react. Sorry, this is a little tangent. You good? The fact that players don't react to the things that you know we hear. Yeah. You know, I'm not a player, but I hear it being on the sideline. It tremendous composure uh, and patience to allow those things to be said without reacting. No, no, I, 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 I get that. Coach Whittingham, though, he do, he makes it a point. He's like, you may, you will not interact with the fan base. Ah. During game day, I should say. You okay. Know, like, it's just not a Emotions good Emotions are high. There are cameras everywhere. Yep. That's today's okay. day and age. you got to be careful. Got to yeah. be careful. Yeah. Everybody's got a, a video recorder. Yeah. You never know. You never know. You don't. So but, anyway, um, it, that's exciting. Yeah. Little Freddie. Yeah. Going to yeah. gonna grow grow up to be a little quarterback. Gonna, and you've got a good support system around. you got Travis. Got some other guys that can help him along the way. Yeah, Travis's throwing style is not the style I'm kind of going for with Freddie. Okay, um, yeah, no, the, I, the sidearm technique. He is he is your friend. Travis is your friend, and I'm glad that you were able friend. to separate friendship from you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, if Travis is evaluation going towards the homeless route <laughs> and needs some coin, I'll throw him a dime here or there to teach Freddie some. How to, but like that's it. You yes, know, like, yeah. <laughs> That's all. That's, that's it, Trav. If not, you you'll end up in Pioneer Park. We need to Park, teach him man. how to run tough and yeah. and you know jump over a Michigan defender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Travis oh, that is was your guy. funny, wasn't it? Anyway, uh, we'll move on. So spring ball, right? I I've been and like I said, I, I I'm just telling people right now. Um, I I have not been to practice. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> in fact, my first day back at work was yesterday. Uh, I got very little done. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mind is still taking some time to just get back into the reality of things. So, so this episode, 
Steve, because you're a, you're a much harder working man than I am. You've actually been going to practice and following kind of the battles and the competitions. Sure. And, and the juicy stuff. You yeah, know. the real juice. So I guess my thought regarding this, this episode, and, 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 and you tell me otherwise, is, is I have questions, and you probably have answers. Yeah. Are, and, we, do it? Let's, are we doing a little Q&A session? I mean, I figure, like, yeah. I, I would agree. So, because I've also heard rumblings, you know, like, I, I guess I haven't been on social media. I've, I've been on sparingly, so I'll go on for like 30 seconds. This is back when I was away for two weeks, and mm-hmm. then I'm, I'm off. You know, the baby's mm-hmm. crying and, and needs attention. Can't tweet and take care of a baby. That's tough. <sighs> Man. People out there, I'm sure, have. It's just not in my DNA. But um, It's frowned upon. So Coach Whittingham, I guess we'll start with... He he spoke about, and this is kind of the negative side of a football team, right? The whole Terrell per- so Terrell Perriman's off the team. Mm-hmm. There's somebody else that's off the team, if I'm not mistaken. Is it so? Th- so there are. So here's the situation. Okay. So Terrell Perriman is is suspended. He's been removed from the team. There are two other players that have also been suspended indefinitely, but they have not been named. Uh, they have. Sione oh, Lund okay. and Dante Banton have both been suspended indefinitely. Terrell Perriman has been dismissed from the team. Uh, there's also been Maxis Tupai uh, is away from the team right now, uh, just for personal reasons, kind of taking his time away from the game. Uh, and so that was kind of the the bigger news from the first week of camp, is, and that was from the first day of camp, Whittingham yeah. announced that Negative news. Stuff. So, you know, it's never fun to hear that stuff, but it is part of college football, college sports, really, and all sports, really, that, that these types of things do happen, um, and it's unfortunate, to say the least. Yeah, we, I, we don't need to go into it. I, I have been saying, though, Steve, I've, and I've kind of said this for quite a few years, although I'm always quite hesitant to talk about it because it is such a t- touchy subject, but, but I believe, coming from Australia, and, and <clears throat> granted, the high school system's very different back home mm-hmm. it's just it's not on the same level or scale as it is out here um i think that society in america puts these kids who are athletically gifted on a pedestal at such a young age it kind of it has to have some effect on their brain oh absolutely and the way they think about who they are who other people are you know that the the ego that's attached to it because these kids are placed on a pretty high pedestal from a pretty young age, especially if you, if you are athletically gifted, then people will flock towards you in in the United States of, of America. Um, and I just want – I'm curious. I, I don't have, obviously, the numbers or the science to back this up, but I, I wonder the effect that something like that could have on on somebody's brain because from what I've heard is regarding Terrell Perriman – uh, and it's got nothing to do with the incident. Obviously, that's a police investigation, so we don't need to go there. But his personality was why did Paul? Paul maybe maybe talked about this. Maybe he didn't. But his personality was one where he kind of thought that he was the bee's knees. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, and he could <clears throat> do no wrong, if you will. Sure. Granted, I sh- it's also worth noting that probably most eighteen-year-olds kind of think the same way you know when you get your license for the first time mm-hmm. and you're driving around like you're especially if you're in like the neighborhood you know based on how heavy somebody's putting their foot on the throttle 
whether or not that's a teenage driver or not. Right. Uh, and I just feel like... So I guess at some point you, there's this naivety around 18, 19-year-olds. But it, it seems to be, in the college football landscape in particular, it just to me seems to be a little more prevalent. Yeah, you know, it, it's tough. And we were joking around about you know getting Freddie his, his five stars. Uh, and, and that... You know, if if kids aren't raised in, you know, a a proper environment, and I'm not saying that Terrell Perryman wasn't, but you know, for some kids that grow grow up and they they have this sense of entitlement, and especially during their formative years where they're they're just learning really the ways of the world, and to have so much attention, you know, coming from college coaches, from media, that can really mess with you, and it can turn your point of view all on itself and and you can make it about yourself and only about yourself where you're unable to see what your choices and what your decisions and what kind of impact they can have on others around you so yeah i think there is something to that where the mentality has kind of changed because of the culture in which we live in in the united states with sports and how we prop these kids up, and I'm, I'm a victim. I, you know, I'm not a victim, but I am. Um, <clears throat> I'm a the the industry in which I work in is probably a big reason why, and and it's it's tough, but I think Utah does a good job of sifting through those personality types and finding the right type of kids. Um, to bring into the program, for the most part. Obviously, there are going to be some here and there. Right, right, right. But they make personality and culture fits, guys that are, are humble and guys that are willing to come in and do the dirty work and, and stick to that and work for what – and work for opportunities. They make that a point as they're recruiting kids and as they're going through – the process and learning more about these kids, they make that a point, and that's one of their big factors in terms of who they go after in these recruiting cycles. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think um, these 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 instances are few and far between for the most part under Carl Whittingham. Mm-hmm. Um, the bottom line is that when these things occur, he's the one that takes the brunt of the blame, mm-hmm. which is quite yeah, it's ludicrous to be honest with you. It's <clears throat> it's ludicrous because he can teach and talk to these kids as much as he wants about how to live the right lifestyle mm-hmm. and look after yourself, more importantly, look after your loved ones, etc., etc. But at the end of the day, Steve, there is there is a fair amount of downtime that takes place in, in any college football athlete's life. And Coach, Coach Whittingham's not there to hold their hand through right. it all. So there are decisions that are made that... That he has no, literally, Coach Winningham has no control over. Hmm? This this is one of them, seemingly, and um, it's a, it's just a shame. Uh, regardless, I guess, however you look at it, but we hope uh, justice is served, whatever justice yes. is. Yep, um, and we move forward. And uh, we look ahead to spring football, which is uh, where we should probably get the dirty stuff, the bad, the negative out of the way. Mm-hmm. We'll start talking positives. Do you want to start offensive or defensive? You know what? Let's go. Let's go defensive. There are some serious questions on the defensive. Very side. much so. Um, defensive line. Uh, Michigan State transfer mm-hmm. starter. Mufi at Hunt. the at the at the uh, the edge rush position, uh, Huati Pututau. We we kind of assumed he would be the Riani Moala 
and of course Mika Tafua. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Max Tupai was was there, I imagine he probably is the starter at uh, at, at left end, and and Mufi is is out. But uh, I guess this is a position group, Steve, that reloads every year. They don't rebuild, do they? No, no, and I, I think that's that's something to keep in mind here. And as we're talking about spring. <clears throat> Obviously, bodies are aren't where the the depth in terms of the amount of bodies, scholarship bodies that Utah can use, isn't where it typically is. You know, for Utah spring ball, normally they're they're well stocked with four or five guys that that are competing, and, and this year it's the it's it's a little slim, and so it's it's not something that we're used to. However, you know, this is going to provide. You know, a guy like Mufi Hunt, a guy like Taniela Pututau, who is fresh off of his mission for a few months now, uh, who's a true freshman and joined the program in January. You know, it's going to provide those guys plenty of reps to get up to speed, to acclimate with uh, the the scheme with their teammates. And, and that is the encouraging thing here is that guys that need reps are getting reps and they're getting a lot of reps. And so... You know, I don't think there's really a, a there's no need to overanalyze this in terms of the defense. It's just when you have to replace nine guys on the defensive side of the ball, it's there's going to be a lot of green, a lot of raw ability, a lot of inexperience that where guys just kind of have to learn by mistake. And that's kind of what we saw the first week is, you know, it's inexperience, it's youth. And so there's going to be, you know, a lot of. A lot of mistakes made and coaches getting after the players. But I think for the defensive line, they have the bodies there um, that are, are getting reps. And, and these this is, it's going to help moving forward. No, I, yeah, I, I guess what I would tell people from my, my own experiences covering Utah football is when you look at the defensive side of the ball, traditionally speaking, the, the defensive line's always been good. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I remember years where... There were some questions going into the season, like, man, you know, like, I wonder if I wonder if this defensive line can produce like the years past, right? And they do. They find a way. They, mm-hmm. I mean, they they are they're good. They and they recruit well, mm-hmm. and they develop these kids into surefire NFL talents up up there on the defensive front front line. So I I, w- I just I wouldn't be all that concerned if I'm a Utah fan, despite kind of some new names. Uh, however, the secondary, and you, you mentioned this, this is daunting because the, the secondary, not that it's been a weakness per mm-hmm. se for Utah football. In fact, they've had some really, really talented players come through, but man, they, they are replacing literally just about everyone besides Devin Lloyd at one of the linebacking positions, and he's not necessarily in the secondary. I get, I get that, but 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 Andrew Mataafa right now starting at Rover. He has not played. Nephi Sewell, by the way, is backing him up. So they've made that move, mm-hmm. which is exciting. I've always felt as though Nephi is probably more of a linebacker just based on his his body build. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devin Lloyd will play this year. Hayden Fury, like like Hayden. Who is Hayden Fury, Steve? So fun story. He is a walk on, uh, and a walk on, I believe, from Westlake. And so Hayden Fury, he is, you know, he's he's a guy that's been in the program now a year. Uh, and, you know, coming to the program as a walk-on, these guys don't get a lot of pub. They don't get a lot of recognition, right? They don't get the, the, the treatment that a lot of these guys get, 
you know, especially in the program where there's obviously scholarship money and that kind of thing. Um, but walk-ons are going to be important for football programs moving forward. And I think Utah has, has recognized that, and they've made it a point to improve their effort in um, in recruiting walk-ons to the program. And so Hayden Fury is a guy that he's got some ability. He played tight end and linebacker in high school. He's focused on linebacker since he's been at Utah for a year. Uh, and, you know, he's, yeah, we a lot of people don't know who he is, but I think he's the type that you can develop, you can you can rely on him being in the program for a few years, and you can develop him. And, you know, by the time that he's a junior and senior in the program, he he's one of the more trustworthy, more reliable players in terms of his ability on the field. Sure. Um, it's just another name that kind of pops yeah. out that you're like, I'm Who's sure this fans guy? out there are like, what's going yeah. on, coach? Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to tell us? Probably nothing. I don't remember seeing this guy signing on signing day. Who is this guy? Yeah, exactly. it's, it's a lot of that. But they, they do have, like, on this spring depth chart that they released, that, by the way, by the way, is kind of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I just want people to, and maybe they already know. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But I just remember, as a player, the because they won't update this. That's oh, the no, problem. No, they used no, no. to update this, yeah. I think. Back when I first got here in circa 2012-ish. <laughs> right. They used to care about the depth chart. Now, well, so they would. They always update it within the locker room. Oh, yeah, of course. Of right, course. because you've got to kind of know, like, what team you're on when yeah. second punt's called, or I don't know, whatever. I'm going back to my special teams roots. But they will not update the media. Get, <laughs> they're like, oh, <laughs> to H-E double hockey sticks with you guys. Yeah. You know, best of luck trying to figure this one out. <laughs> I guess it is spring at the end of the day. But they do have a Max Stud and Rover linebacker, which they probably won't play come season. They like to play the traditional nickel as mm-hmm. opposed to a 4-3. Although they do play 4-3 every now and again, it's worth it. Yeah, against you know the right program, a Washington, a Stanford, you still got to play some 4-3. Yeah, two tight end sets, 12 personnel, as Coach calls it, they, they play 4-3. That's yeah. why you saw Javelin Guidry... He, like, didn't even get a rep, I don't think, against Washington. Yeah. Played they, a lot of 12. Yeah, a lot of 12 personnel. A lot of two tight end sets. So, and and you know what? I think with this linebacker group, Devin Lloyd looks fantastic. He led the team in tackles last year as, what was he, a sophomore? Yeah. Matt. Sophomore. So he's, you know, he's he's got two more years left. And, you know, you're seeing it with him where he's taking on more of a leadership role. And that, I think, is a big, big positive for this defense. He's going to be relied on to be the playmaker for this team. And you saw it through the first week. He's taking guys by the side and kind of teaching them up, teaching you know them how to do things the right way. And, and it's that kind of leadership that you want to see from, from a guy like Devin. That's awesome. So uh, maybe the most talked about defensive player that's joining the program, Clark Phillips third. Holy smokes, bro. <laughs> so he's playing Nickelback. <laughs> Well, so he's he's rotated in both at nickel and on the outside, but m- probably more so at nickel, I would say. Um, it was the was it the second day of practice? It was I think it was the second day of practice. We got to see some one on ones, and here's what here's here, here's who who Phillips matched up with first. The first time that Phillips stepped on the field for his one on one matchup, it was against Britton Covey. Okay, so. Britton Covey gets a, a clean release off the line, gives him a little shimmy, gets little a clean release. Bake. You know, Britton doing Britton things, right? right? Looking good, like we'll Britton get to does. Him later, yeah. Steve, all right, yeah, we'll save that for a later in the show. But Clark, you know, he 
So he gives up a clean release, which is, you know, you try not to do that. But then he's able, his quick feet, he got back into position and forced a really tough throw. I can't remember who the quarterback was, but forced a tough throw, and it, it forced an incompletion. So he forced the throw over the top, and Britton wasn't able to, to bring it in. So a, couple, a couple reps go by. Clark steps back on the field. Who's he matched up against? Brad Keithy. Okay. Okay. So now he's going up against the tight end, you know, and at the top of Brant's route, he's running a little comeback to the sideline. You know, he creates a little separation. You know, it, it wasn't an, a, a full extension. It wasn't offensive pass interference, especially if we're playing in the NFL. Uh, but he created some separation. Clark was able, and the throw was a little late, but Clark was able to get back into position and, and break the pass up. So just to put some perspective here, um, on the on the depth chart, you know the much important twenty twenty swing depth chart. Brant Keithy's listed at six two two thirty five, mm-hmm. and uh, Mister Clark Phillips the third is five ten one ninety. Yeah, and he, <laughs> it's like he's one hundred ninety pounds. But I was talking to somebody as a freshman. He w- as a freshman in high school. Again, this is a freshman in high school. He he was benching. What was it? it was three fifteen. Wow. 300 pounds as a freshman in high school. So he is very strong. He is strong. You know, uh, which definitely comes through in his play. Can we, Can we? I guess, just say this right now? He he will start. Yeah, I think so. Like, that's pretty... <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> like if, if we're talking about confidence level in terms of who we think out of this group of, of defense UBs. secondary players... Who is most likely to start? The only clear favorite right now, in my opinion, based on what we've seen so far through a week, is Clark Phillips. And we talk about his play, but it's more so just the mentality of wanting to go up against Britton Covey and Brent Keithy. And then later on, he went up against Solomon Enos and forced an incompletion. And it's just it's that mentality of wanting to go up against the best, to prove yourself against the best, that I think kind of separates him from the rest of the pack. And I think Utah needs to get that on the field. And so in terms of the the, the confidence level, I think he's the only one I'm, I'm confident in saying is going to start come fall. We can, we can talk about the safeties quickly, though, because these names, these names aren't all that familiar, I guess. is, is mm-hmm. Vontae Davis, for example, been around the program now quite some time. Yeah. Uh, just hasn't been able to put... Anything out there, he has an opportunity this spring to really cement himself as the starting free safety. Uh, Stone Azercone, is that that, I'm saying that correctly? He's a junior. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. he's been around the program a a fair while now. Um, These kids are seemingly new to the the public, but Mm -hmm. they've been around. So they know the playbook, which is a positive. Can they – the safety position to me is where – I really question Utah in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. If we're looking at the defense as a whole, because yeah. I think I, I do trust Clark Phillips the third. Believe it or not, I think he's that good. Just from what I've been told mm-hmm. from from people, I think I think Devin Lloyd can somehow manifest a decent linebacking core. Yeah, and of course we know what the what the, the what the front end of the defense can do. The the defensive line they're, they're they're pretty stout, but that safety position to me it's such a crucial part of a de- any defense, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 your safety net, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you you kind of rely on them to make plays a fair bit more often than than maybe some people think. And these guys don't have any experience. Who who do you think 
starts at safety come 2020. Do you have an idea yet? You know, it, it's going to be interesting. With R.J. Hubert suffering an injury in the Pac-12 championship game, that really hurt Utah yeah. at the safety position. We'll see what what his recovery will look like, but you know, if if we're expecting something from Hubert, you know, I would compare his injury to what Britton Covey kind of went through, not the the same severity of that Britton Covey, but so we'll we'll hope that Hubert can can recover and get back on the field because he would be a big boost. But you know, if we're looking at this group in spring, the guy that you want to take a big step forward is Vontae Davis because he is the most free safety like of the safeties that are competing this this spring and so far through uh, the first week I think both Whittingham and Scally have singled him out as a player that's made a good a good amount of progress oh, from from last year to this year and so that's what you want to hear he has a great opportunity to get a lot of reps just like the rest of the guys on the defense and so it's going to be important for him to show that progress because you know, in in all honesty, he is likely the best option at free safety for Utah come game one. Right. You know, as as we work with Hubert and, and give him the time to recover, he's obviously the top choice at free safety. He got the reps. He was able to carve out a role with Blackman and Burgess on the field at the same time against the right, you know, matchups. And so you want him back, but I think the key here, I think Utah is is comfortable with what they have in terms of the strong safety, the safety up in the box. You know, they've got a guy, Nate Ritchie, coming into the program this summer that they're confident in. They've got a few other guys. But I think you need a free safety, and I think you want Vontae Davis to take a big step forward. Lastly, I guess before we have to take our one and only time out here, Bronson Boyd, he fascinates me as a, as a defensive back prospect. He's... Again, been been within the program now for a handful of years. Came in as a wide receiver mm-hmm. from Texas Tech. Yep, uh, looked really good. Remember speaking to guys around the program that were really high yep. on Bronson Boyd as a wide receiver. Things things didn't work out. They thought maybe he'd be best suited on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and he has he he will probably start at the cornerback position this year as well. Number eight, Bronson Boyd, six foot one ninety two. He's played in twenty three games. Majority of them been. Special teams, but he has gotten reps, I believe, at cornerback mm-hmm. in the past. Um, and I, I, I think if if he can figure it out, if he can work closely with Sharif Shaw, uh, he has a, a real chance to kind of fill the void. Not necessarily to the same level that maybe Jalen Johnson played at, mm-hmm. but uh, but certainly have an impact uh, out there on an island. Um, Bronson Bronson Boyd, one that that I've been a fan of for some time, and I've kind of been waiting for him to take that jump. Yeah. Maybe this maybe this year is the time. He's he's a junior, so this will he have this year and next year to to prove his worth. Yeah, you know, and I think Bronson is a guy that while he hasn't maybe had the standout play like a guy like Clark Phillips, we haven't really seen him like give up a lot of things either. So I think in terms of your confidence level in Bronson being a starter, it should be fairly high, and I think he's got a lot of ability. I think he has the trust of Sharif Shaw in terms of just having spent the time you know, at the position now and having learned the technique and the footwork that's required of cornerbacks. Um, yeah, there should be a good amount of confidence in Bronson Boyd earning a starting job, and I think he's had a good first week of camp so far. Uh, it's just... Again, like I said, he hasn't had the standout play of Clark Phillips. Clark Phillips is really the only one that's kind of had the standout 
play amongst the group, but there is a lot of good things happening with with guys in the defensive secondary, and Bronson Boyd is kind of the leader of that pack. Still so many questions defensively, and and we'll have more answers as, I guess, time goes by. We'll probably have even more answers in the fall. Uh, Van Fillinger, Xavier Carlton, Nate Ritchie, you know all three of them very well, Steve, uh, highly touted recruits all out of the state of Utah, mm-hmm. they will join the, the program in the summer. Mm-hmm. So they're not here, which is really unfortunate, I will say. Sure. Um, yep. And sometimes sometimes kids prefer to come early, others prefer not. I always, with Freddie, for example, you know when Freddie's getting recruited, he will, uh, he will be at spring. Nice. If Good. He can. Giving him that jump start. It makes a world of difference. It does. It definitely does. And and you know it's it really you know when we're talking about early enrollees, it really like you've got to put in the work well before, you know, your senior year in order to graduate early and I think that's the key. But the good thing is is you know, I've seen Van Fillinger up there at practice. You know, he's been up there working, not working, he can't work with the team, but he's been up there um walking around with the defensive ends and and learning from coach Powell up there and and just kind of taking in practice. So I saw Alex Harrison who was on the offensive line up there. So guys are up there, they're they're mingling with with guys at practice, kind of taking it in and learning as much as they can, even though they're not in the program. But yeah, those three guys that you mentioned, Van, Xavier, and Nate, those are three guys that Utah is going to be relying on to take on a role uh this fall. Yeah, it's it's exciting. I mean it, it, is. it really is. You got Ty Jordan out of Texas, the running back, too. Um, he's the running back, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, good. He sure I, is. A lot of confidence mean. and optimism about him. I know. He's not the biggest of fellows, but, boy, he's pretty t- pretty tidy out of the backfield with his hands, and he can... Tidy? That's a good word make for Make a defender miss. I like that. Yeah. Hey, we've got to take out one and only timeout. We're going to get to the offensive side. Uh, Britton Covey was mentioned. I've heard, uh, I've heard some things. I've also heard some things about the quarterback position. I'm there. sure you have as well. We need to talk about that, because that's... Steve, is what the people care about. Or at least so they say. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about it. Give us 30 seconds. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Back in, it's Utah's world. Uh, we're kind of breaking down the spring and the roster and the depth chart and everything in between. Uh, we've, we've talked a fair bit about the defensive side because that is where most of the questions lie, mm-hmm. Steve. The offensive side, far more solidified, if you will. They didn't lose nearly as many players as, uh, as the defense did. But there still are questions. Obviously, quarterback position, the biggest one, which I think we'll spend most of our time talking about 
in this segment. Um, but the but the offensive line, I think, is also one where where there are question marks. Um, left tackle Nick Ford, right? Yeah. He he seemed to play much better at guard in 2019, in my opinion. Interesting to see him at left tackle. I'm not surprised Keaton Bills is starting. No, or no, at least nobody should be. Yeah, I've heard. He's he's done some things. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard from some players, uh, some past players. Some he's made an players. impression. He he is going to be really talented, uh, yeah. which is exciting. Orlando Wilmana, I guess, no surprises. He'll be the the, the center. Um, Braden Daniels saw many many minutes mm-hmm. uh, during 2019. Uh, ended the season poorly, I will say. So it'll be interesting to see how he he plays during the spring because he needs he needs to prove himself, in my opinion. I I agree, and I think the move to that to right guard is probably a little better suited for him. Um, just because he is more of a a bull in a china shop, I guess, where he's a little bit more reliant on you know his power, his strength, and you know he's added some weight. He's been in that weight room and put on some size, which I think will be interesting to see how that impacts his game. And then of course, Simi Mawala is starting at right tackle. Interestingly, Big Bam Olaseni, he's behind himself. So, I oh, see. This is what I thought was going to happen. I thought I thought Big Bam was going to go to left tackle. Uh-huh. I thought uh, I thought Simi was going to stay at right tackle. Um, I knew Orlando was going to play center. They had see then then there's a then there's a problem because Braden Daniels, Keaton Bills, and Nick Ford they're all good enough to start, mm-hmm. but you've only got two positions to fill them, uh, two guard spots. Who plays and who doesn't? I would probably have said Nick Ford and Keaton Bills plays just because I didn't love what I saw from Braden Daniels towards the, the back end of. But then again, things can change, and who mm-hmm. knows? But you do have this is, and, and this is a good problem, mm-hmm. by the way. You've got six guys yep. that can really play, um, and you've only got five spots, so you demand competition. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the biggest key here is that there is competition going on within the group, and and now you're adding in the redshirt freshmen that joined the program last year, that sat out last year and were able to redshirt, you know, now they're able to compete a little bit more, uh, a, a little better just because they've spent a year in the program, they've, uh, they've been able to develop physically, so they're more capable of truly competing, uh, and so that adds to the depth and the competition, um, but, you know, of the six guys that we've talked about, you know, I think Bam has all the potential in the world, and I think he's got a great opportunity in front of him, but he's got to go earn it. And I think this is Harding kind of saying, look, like, I know you're 6'8", I know her, you're 330 pounds, like, I know you're a giant, but you've still, you've got to earn this. And I think that's a, a, a fascinating thing. I think Bills is the one that's earned it, and I don't think Braden Daniels has done anything not to earn it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yes, yeah. he ended the the year poorly. There's no denying that. But I think he's still put in the the work to earn the the job. So I think Bam. I think that's the key with Bam is you want him to go out. You want him to take a spot, and you want him to earn that. And I think that's that's going to be fun to monitor this spring. They just don't build players the size. of They Bam. don't. You know, like that's that's, that's yeah. NFL size. Yeah. If he can, and what I've heard is. His foot, his footwork is kind of what's letting him down at the minute. A little he, slow. He's just slow. Yeah, and he's he's not. He's having a harder time adjusting to the college game, which, which is again like part of the risk you take when you recruit anybody on the offensive line. You just don't know because the game, 
speeds up so drastically. Mm-hmm. How are they going to react? You know, you, you, so it's at, at some level you take a risk on every recruit. Hopefully, Bam can figure himself out. Maybe he needs to lose some weight. You know, maybe he's too heavy. He's not going to shrink in, mm-hmm. in in height. He's going to stay. Uh, he's going to stay six seven. Uh, but but can he get down from three thirty two, which is what he's listed at, to maybe three hundred? And I think that might help. But I d- I'm not. I'm not Coach Harding. So yeah. So I don't know. He knows more than I do. Um, we'll kind of th- we'll we'll fly through tight ends. You know who are going to play, right? Cole Fotheringham, Brant Cole. Thomas Yasmin has looked good. When you see Thomas Yasmin, like you're like, oh dang, that's an NFL body. Like he's got it. It's just a matter of him going out and executing. I think so far, like we saw him catch a couple balls. There's a lot to like about Yasmin. So I've heard with Yasmin quickly that he's the most athletic human on the team. I believe it. Like he is a specimen. I believe it. But he cannot, or at least he couldn't. Hopefully that's changed. <laughs> Figure out the playbook. Like, just get your head in the playbook and Man. don't take it out until you figure it out. Which is crazy because he's a really bright kid. He's yes. really intelligent. Yes. So it's just a matter of it clicking. Which which will hopefully occur. Uh, running back position, there's a, there's an interesting question here. I think Devin Brumfield right now listed as the starter over Jordan Wilmore, but mm-hmm. it's going to be kind of a one-two punch between them going all the way through full camp as well. Mm-hmm. Um Regardless, I think if Devin Brumfield, for example, Steve, is listed as the starter going into game one, Jordan Wilmore's probably going to get at least 10 reps. Uh, yeah. If Jordan Wilmore's listed as the starter going into game one, Devin Brumfield's probably at least going to get 10 reps. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't see a clear-cut running back coming out of full camp, spring ball, going into full camp, and the number two back. Like, I just don't think there's going to be a Zach Moss this year, is no. I guess what I'm getting at. No. No, and, and that's fine. And I think what you're seeing in spring, what we've seen so far through the first week, TJ Green is going to be a factor in this running back. As long as he continues to play the way that he has through the first week, um, he looked really good. And he looked locked in. Um, and he's going to be a guy that makes this running back competition really interesting because I think the the conversation was always about Brumfield versus Wilmore, but I think Green has kind of entered the conversation now where he's going to be a factor. How how much, what kind of role can he carve out? Can he be that change of pace type guy that Devontae Henry Cole was supposed to be, kind of that passing, utilizing him in the passing game? Can he be that? You know, we'll see. But I think there should be a lot of confidence in these running backs they look like Utah running backs. They run with violence, especially Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore. They run tough. Um, and so it's going to be a lot of fun to watch these guys. It will be. I think the wide receivers, uh, just as strong as they were a year ago, uh, they, they only lost uh, one player, uh, Simpkins. Two. Vickers and Simpkins. Oh, they lost Vickers as well. That's mm-hmm. right. Vickers was quite tight. He was kind of that running back in between he type was. guy. He, he, he was, he was <laughs> so, good yeah. out there. He out was. of the backfield, though, yeah. I thought so. Um, they did lose. To, they did lose Vickers, but but Brian Thompson, if he can stay healthy, could well be the best receiver in in the Pac-12, in my opinion. And he is really that talented. He just cannot stay healthy to save himself, which is unfortunate. Samson Nakua, Solomon Enos, Britton Covey, uh, uh, the other slot receiver who's not even on the depth Jaylen chart. Jalen Dixon. Jalen Dixon. That's why. You, yeah. What, <laughs> that's what you couldn't remember because he's not on the depth chart. Like, what was that about? Yeah. How do you forget? How do you leave him off? Maybe he's I don't know suffering a minor. Jeez, there was there was a a, a panic with with him when the depth chart was released oh, publicly. Really? Oh yeah, because he wasn't on there. People thought you know he was gone. He's there. He's practicing. It's just like normal. He's still getting all the touches he was before. 
you know, so it's interesting. But I think, you know, to to quickly sum up the the wide receiver group, Solomon Enos looks like he's take he's taken a big step forward in his game. I think he has to. And I think the fact that he was named a captain really meant a lot to him. And sometimes it's it's that type of thing that allows a kid to take a step forward where they have they they finally know that they have the confidence from not only the coaches but the players. I think that is a big boost for players where it allows them to unleash their potential and I think that's kind of what we've seen so far for Solomon. When Brian Thompson went down with that knee injury against Oregon State, um, he was consolidated by a number of individuals, a lot of teammates, a lot of coaches. He was in tears. He thought I thought I thought I think that he thought the worst. Mm-hmm. Turns out, fortunately, it wasn't. Um, regardless, Solomon Ennis, just to show his leadership, he was the one guy that just stood next to him, uh, put his arm around him, yeah. hung out with him. Uh, like, the leadership he showed during... Sorry, I just threw the mic into my nose. Uh, the, the, the leadership he showed during that point was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me. Uh, the quarterbacks. Oh. So... Before you go, because you're gonna rant, you're gonna rant. I think. I know. I think, I'm sorry. No, Tom, but this, that's sorry. okay. You're allowed to rant because I want to hear what you say. Okay. Um, it's Drew Lisk or Cam Rising or Jake Bentley. I li- I like Drew, Drew Lisk. I, I'm going to politely remove him from the conversation. Okay. Am I allowed to do that, or are you going to say he could well start? I. Mm. He's making this competition really interesting. Okay, stop right there. We'll keep Drew in. Drew, we like you. Six one two zero five senior. Good in the okay. But this is what I've heard about Cam Rising and Jake Bentley. This is just what I have been told. They would prefer Jake Bentley to start. Really? That's what I have heard. Well, is that's what they now. That doesn't mean he will. Right. That's that's key. Key. <laughs> Major if key. They the only reason they want Jake Bentley to start, from what I've been told, is that he is the more polished quarterback. He's played. Right. He's a senior. He's been through it. He's done it. Yep. He's a little more polished. That doesn't mean he's better. No. So if 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 Mr. Rising, who I'm a fan of, I'm on Team Rising, I want everybody out there to know. Um if, t- if Team Rising rises <laughs> like a salmon, <laughs> then then he will start. He'll play. It's simple. Yeah. He's been around the program for longer, so there are advantages for Rising. I, I, I digress. What, what, what have you seen? What have you heard? So the competition has been a lot of fun to watch because all three quarterbacks that we've taught that you mentioned, Drew Lisk, Jake Bentley, Cameron Rising, have executed at a really high level. They did the two minute drill on Thursday in pads against the defense. Who took the first reps? Drew Lisk. What does he do? He he marches down the field against his defense. Obviously, the defense isn't what it was, what we're used to at Utah, but he marched down the field um, pretty efficiently. Who was up next? Cameron Rising. Cameron Rising took the second reps with the first team. What does he do? He marches down the field just as efficiently, if not more efficiently. He's just going, throwing the ball right, throwing it left, coming back, hitting, dropping one into Jalen Dixon over the top. Like, like his progressions are not. Yeah, yeah. Looked good. And it's quick, too. Like, that was the thing with him, was it was so quick, just how quickly he was diagnosing what was going on. So... Whittingham said it was the best two-minute drill period that they've had. Maybe what did in Bentley the pr- do? Bentley. So Bentley didn't get the same amount of reps that the other two got in that just in that period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in that period. Now, but he still completed a couple passes in the reps that he got. 
The two-minute drill, though, is an important period. It is. For those that don't know, that know. Yes. The two-minute drill, probably the most important period in all of practice. Mm-hmm. Because it's right at the end. Mm-hmm. There's always a scenario, whether you need three points or a touchdown. There's always a certain amount of time, or lack thereof, on the clock. And you only normally have one to maybe two timeouts. Sometimes you don't get any. Mm-hmm. My, I guess my point is, like, it's... It's as close to a game scenario as you can find in practice. And they leave it to at the end, generally, unless the media comes out and want to give anything away. They'll do it earlier. But um, it's, re- it's a really important period. It and is. so to hear that both Drew Lisk, the Lisk, does he have a nickname? Uh, he, I don't know that if he does or not. I'm sure he does within the team. I don't know it, though. Yeah, we'll call him the Liskinator here. I was going to say that. Okay. Oh, you're, okay. Great minds think Brilliant, like brilliant, brilliant Tom. The Liskinator. Uh, Cam Rising, uh, Rises Like a Salmon, uh, is his nickname <laughs> to me. <laughs> and we'll work on, on Jake Bentley, but, uh, but regardless, it's, it's good to hear. It's a true quarterback competition, and I think that's what is fun about this, is that it's not just one guy clearly separating himself from from the rest of the pack, but there are three guys, two guys, three guys that are really executing at a high level, and it's fun to see that at Utah. It, that, that, that is really fun. And I apologize to Drew. No, it's fu- I got yelled at, so that's why I'm so defendant of what Drew What do you Lisker. mean you got yelled at? I got yelled at. What happened? I made a comment about the quarterback competition. I left Drew out, and somebody got after me for it. Really? Yes. This is on a the blockcast. No, not on the blockcast. I can't say where, but that's all right. Yeah, I got, I got, I got chewed out. I got chewed out. But Lisk is playing well, and, and that's the thing is, I we want to make sure we give him his his, his proper due yes. because he is playing well right now. And and it's worth noting that Andy Ludwig, he's a fan of Drew Lisk. I mean, he yeah. threw Drew Lisk in when when Tyler Huntley got hurt against Arizona State. Thank you at home. Um, everybody was was kind of anticipating Jason Shelley. Jason Shelley would yep. appear, and and big Liskinator just trots on out there. The Liskinator, you know. <laughs> oh man! So this, this this quarterback conversation is is one that that the fans obviously care most about. Yes, and this this is a conversation, Steve. That like many of the defensive positions will continue to to I guess request conversation throughout the entire spring and into fall camp. Now, fall camp to me is probably where this. This 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 decision is going to be made. Yes, I don't see Coach Whittingham or Andy Ludwig making a definitive decision in the spring, and there are reasons behind that. Uh, one, I think Jake Bentley just needs a little more time in the playbook. That, that like like he's pretty he's pretty new to mm-hmm. the system, mm-hmm. and so that takes some time. And uh, and and I'm sure towards the end of spring he'll start picking up things that maybe at the start of spring he wouldn't. Blah 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 blah. He also has a foot injury that he's coming off of. Yeah. Yeah, um, and so that's going to take some time to heal. Cam Rising is in the spotlight for the first time. He's just finding his way, and then of course Drew Lisk, who's who's a senior. Yep. And at one point, we all thought was going to quit the program, according to Coach Whittingham, or at least that's what he was he was thinking about. Right. Um, and all of a sudden, he's making plays, and wouldn't it like just hear me out? Ooh. What if Drew Lisk was the quarterback that trotted out? Oh boy, game one. That would cause hysteria. Hysteria. It would be crazy amongst the fan base. It would be like it would be like the US hockey team taking down Russia in the yeah, Olympics. Yeah. It would be something comparable to that, the hysteria that would go on. We have like a decent amount of contacts 
uh, I don't know if we have the the proper contact to call ESPN and get <laughs> a thirty for thirty filmed <laughs> on Drew. The story Liss. of the Liskinator. Like that is something that would you? go down <laughs> in 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 college football history. I mean, ah, uh, anyway. So uh, there's still a ton. There's there's a lot going on. Right, and and you know I think. If we're looking at the quarterback competition right now, if we were forced to to make a, a, a ranking, if we were forced to rank these guys, I think it is Cameron Rising and then Drew Lisk and then Jake Bentley. And I don't think that that should come as a, as a surprise just because of how new Jake Bentley is to the program. Rising and, and Lisk both have the familiarity with how the coaches operate in practice. They have the chemistry with the receivers. It shouldn't come as a surprise to hear that those two are maybe performing a little bit better than Bentley. And I think that's the big reason why a decision won't be made until fall camp is because that's going to allow Bentley to not only get the playbook down, but to build that chemistry with the teammates um, and the receivers and pass catchers um, to make it a, a true competition. How, how does his foot look? Just out of curiosity, is he okay? You know, I, the foot looks looks like a foot. Good. But, you know, he's he's moving around just fine. Like, if you're watching him, you, you would never guess that he had a Liz Frank injury. There have been some, some throws that have sailed on him, and, and I've kind of wondered if that's a result of him not being able to to follow through on his throws, you know, on his on his front foot, but for the most part, he looks fine. Yeah, you know, it. He's making some great throws, and so it's just a matter of him, I think, getting more comfortable with everything. We're uh, we're getting kicked out of the studio, oh. so uh, well, we've been talking too much anyway. So uh, we we say so long, goodbye, uh, much love. We appreciate all of our listeners. Uh, check Steve out on the old uh, tweet machine. What are you, Steve? Where are you? S Bartle two four seven. I the got one. the rubber ducky there on the uh, Avi. Yeah, great. That was like the the goat of uh, bath toys. It was. Up. You know, add its own song. Yeah, I appreciate that. You can find me at Tom at Tom Hackett. Check out KSLSports.com for your one stop shop. Also, Steve has a uh, podcast. It's called The Blockcast. Check it's that out. It's no too. big deal. Yeah, you'll like it. Maybe not as much as this one, but it's, it's up there. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week with more spring football conversations. See you.